0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast, presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel salerson alongside my co-host Jim. I can offer a Pelicans.com. Just two more player recaps to go. Today we'll focus in on Naji Marshall, and wrap up tomorrow with James Johnson. Joining us for the third straight week is Will Gillery who covers the NBA and the Pelicans for the Athletic. Will. I don't know if you just keep inviting yourself onto these things or we're actually asking you, but I appreciate the dedication to our podcast. How are you?
2: Oh, man, I'm doing well. You know, I always love joining you guys. Got to see what's going on with my man, Jimmy, and I guess Daniel as well. You know, <laughs> I'm really just here to just talk Phillies baseball with my guy, Jimmy. So that, that's really why I keep coming back.
1: Wow. You know, and I, I'm still inviting you back despite all the Phillies references. And, you know, I thought you were going to bust out before this. You're calling yourself the Placido Polanco of the pelicans podcast which i'm not sure a lot of people would recognize the name but i certainly do and i guess that's fitting for you are you our utility guy will is that what you're calling yourself
2: yeah really i'm just here to make jimmy look good you know like any good second baseman just trying to get that double play combo going you know just i'm just here to flip him i'm not doing anything behind the back or anything fancy i'm just flipping at the gym and let him get the highlight Absolutely
0: outstanding beginning to this podcast, Will. And and by the way, uh, where are we, uh, where are we watching game one of Philly's Braves tonight? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> after the podcast.
1: We're watching that at Will's apartment, right now, he his Tony Allen jersey. And Will can bust out his Bryce Harper jersey, which I don't know why he has, but he, he does have that in his, in his closet there. We won't get into All that. Man. This is not MTV Cribs, but. Uh, I guess Will can defend himself at some other point with this. Film. Yeah, I'm
2: just I'm just pro anybody getting the bag. That's why I'm supporting my guy, Bryce Harper. If you got the bag, I'm with you. So so go, Bryce Harper.
1: All right. Well, we're definitely not supporting either Jim and I, because we definitely don't have the bag and probably will never have the bag. <laughs> but that's OK. We, we still carry on. And let's talk about Najee Marshall. And speaking of securing the bag, you know, he was able to at least secure his first bag um with a big contract at the end of the year but kind of unexpectedly we look at two-way players at the beginning of the season you really don't expect them to have too much of an impact it's more of you know learn the ropes in the g league come up and if you're able to you know get some minutes here or there that's fine but naji marshall was a different type of player will how did he get to this point where he started off as that two-way player and end up signing a long-term deal at the end of the season
2: yeah, it's pretty insane to see his journey from the start of the year because Najee was almost like a afterthought with this group. He, he never got playing time for the first couple of months of the season. That's why they ended up sending him to the G League bubble just to get him some run. I, I mean, the only time I basically ever saw Najee was post game when he was getting shots up with the uh, assistant coaches and, you know, in the empty arena after the game. And to see him go from that point to a starter to a guy who ended up getting the contract you know, beyond this season, you know, uh, each one of his teammates complimenting him constantly after games. I I think it's a a huge testament to the work he put in and just the belief uh, he had in himself. I think that's what stood out most about Najee is despite the lack of playing time, despite the the lack of knowledge of what his role would be, he always knew exactly what he could do and how he could contribute to this team. And when his moment arrived, he he stepped into that role and played it perfectly.
0: Daniel, you mentioned how, with two-way players, you don't expect them to get on the court very much. It was interesting. Najee himself said that he didn't expect to play this season when he did his exit interview the day after the season ended. So I mean, that was kind of interesting and funny. I guess it shouldn't have been surprising, but it's just it's always unique to hear a player say that that he was he looked at this season as kind of, you know, almost like a red shirt year where he was going to get some playing time maybe in the G League, which he ended up getting under the odd circumstances that, that they had this year where they had to bubble down in Florida. But um it, it, it was very um it was a very cool ending for him to be able to sign the multi-year contract and get on the court. I mean for most of the season to be totally honest with you, he was kind of like the um the footnote in the newspaper, like in the transaction section where you see his name was listed in on the injury report. I, I forget what it was, if it was a foot or an ankle injury that he had, but that was really the way that we saw his name come up the most throughout the first few months of the season was that he would be listed on the injury report. Um, and then he played extremely well in the G league bubble. So, I mean, it's hard to base stuff on stats, but he, uh it sounds like he was the best player on that team down there and they did really well. So that definitely gave him a lot better chance, I think, to get on the court because he showed at least against a form of professional competition that he was a good player. But he definitely was also held back a ton by the fact that he had COVID and missed a bunch of training camp and just really didn't have a chance to show the the you know the new coaching staff what he could do. Jim, uh, I'll stick with
1: you and I'll go to Will on this. When you talk about earning that playing time, and this was maybe based on you just talking to, to him, talking to other players and staying was it a matter of circumstance of how he was able to get that playing time? You know, with the injuries hit later on the season, I mean, it, w- it was nece- it was necessary for Najee to get on the court, but was it shown to Stan Van Gundy that, you know, no matter what the situation was, he was going to get some playing time down the stretch? How was he able to go from this guy that didn't expect to play a lot to earning starters minutes
0: as the season progressed? I think initially it definitely was circumstances that got him the, the opportunity at first, I mean, if it wasn't for the multiple injuries, he may have experienced a whole, an entire season that he was expecting where he didn't really get a great chance to play. And we'd see him at the end of, you know, 20, 30 point games where he'd play a few minutes in mop up time, but because of the injuries, he got a chance to play, but all credit to him that after he did get that opportunity, he'd seem like he totally seized it. Um, I thought he was kind of a Jack of all trades and that he contributed in a bunch of different ways. Um, it was actually, if you look at his college career, it was pretty similar to what he did. He was a, a very um, underrated playmaker, passer, and he, I was wow. just impressed by how he did in that area wow. with the Pelicans. Um, I mean, I know your dog probably doesn't appreciate necessarily the playmaking, but um, but uh, it, and his his shooting was an area where he needs to improve upon that was also kind of Uh, below average for him in college, but he, he was just, uh, he was kind of exactly what they needed in in, in a lot of ways. And his timing of when he got his opportunity was kind of perfect for that part of the season. He, he reminded me a little bit of our guy, Kenrich Williams. I know that's a little sacrilegious to make comparisons to Kenny hustle, but, (laughs) but it did, it did remind me of that in terms of when the team needed somebody to fill that role, he, he was, he was there to to be there and um I think a lot of people immediately appreciated Najee because of some of the stuff that he provided that wasn't necessarily evident from game to game by the team including just his defense and his hustle
1: well I when I when you heard Cambridge Williams I think your eyes kind of lit up a little bit did that, did that bring back some 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 flashbacks of Kenny Hustle
2: Yeah, man, everybody knows I love me some Kenny Hustle. That's my guy right there. I'm still sad to see him going, and and I guarantee everybody listening to this pod who follows me and Jim on Twitter, they definitely had a drinking game going uh, for who was going to be the first to mention Kenrich in this podcast. So I'm kind of mad Jimmy beat me to the punch. (laughs) But uh, Najee, I mean, there are a lot of uh, similarities for sure. And When you look at the stories of Kenrich and and Najee, the way those guys kind of came out of nowhere and made their name from being hustle guys from being the guy who did you did all the dirty little plays on the court who found ways to get those offensive rebounds defend multiple positions I think that's the way you make a name for yourself in this league and I think what really surprised me the most about Najee I think a lot of times you see guys in that position and they they kind of make their rise is because they're making spot up jumpers especially when you're playing next to a guy like Zion Williamson you see okay if you're a pretty good role player next to Zion you're probably hitting those spot up threes whenever they're wide open or Lonzo's finding you for those wide open threes because they're available so often. But with Najee, it was really impressive to see how comfortable he was making plays off the bounce and kind of attacking defenses and getting, getting into the teeth uh, of the defense rather than settling for jumpers. And if anything, I asked Stan Van Gundy a few times, you know, don't you think Najee should probably take a few more jumpers because they were so available to him, but he was always very comfortable being aggressive, getting to the rim. And I think that's where he's most comfortable with is kind of making those plays on the second side and seeing a guy, again, who was in the G League bubble, never got playing time, coming in and feeling comfortable making those plays and getting to the rim. I think that's really exciting because we also saw the potential for him to be a knockdown shooter as well. And I know he's going to get in some work this summer with uh, Fred Vincent to kind of improve on that jumper. So I think there's a lot of promise there with his offensive game. And if you're going to make the comparison to Kenny Hustle, I think it took some time for for Kenrich to really figure out what he can do offensively. And I feel like Najee kind of knows who he is on the offensive end much more than you would expect from a, a normal two-way guy.
1: But to piggyback off that, well, I mean, there were some games, and I know this doesn't say much based on the, the lack of three-point shooting for the Pelicans, but at times he was the best three-point shooter on the court for the Pelicans as far as leading the team in percentage or even three-pointers made. So do you see that, as far as something that he could add to his game later on, as far as three-point shooting might not be the best, I guess, uh, aspect of his game, but something that could progress down the line.
2: Yeah, no question. And Jim mentioned it earlier. I think one of the most fascinating parts about his season is just how it got started with him, you know, testing positive for COVID before training camp, not really getting time with the team to establish himself to kind of get his feet down on the ground and seeing the way he kind of still was able to have success despite that. So I think with a full offseason, being able to spend time in the city, be around the practice facility, I guarantee you he's going to be getting a whole bunch of jump shots up this summer knowing he's going to be playing next to Zion Williamson. So yeah, I expect him to be a really good shooter down the line and we know what my man coach Fred does every time you give him a shooting project he's like the miracle worker he's got the Midas touch you get that guy a shooter he's going to turn him into a 40 percent type of guy so I think if Najee can establish himself as that as a guy who can be a knockdown shooter who can make plays off the dribble who can defend multiple positions. I mean, that's a great value for a guy you're getting for what? A couple million, you know, per year. I think that's a huge fine for this team. And that's the stuff you gotta do. If you're David Griffin, if you're gonna be spending big money on guys like Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, you gotta find those role players for the cheap who can make plays for you. And it seems like Najee could potentially be one of those guys.
0: I'm glad we're talking about shooting because I think this podcast is filled with three people who who bring the shot to the court. <laughs> I mean, you could have a conversation about do I bring anything else besides that, but that's another – we'll talk about that some other time.
1: That's all I bring too, Jim. Don't worry. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> well, see, I, I only wanted to speak for myself there. Okay. So but – I, but I agree with you but <laughs> on your game. But uh, I haven't seen Will play enough to know that, but I, I hear that he's a knockdown shooter as well. But anyways, in terms of Najee, um, I think one of the things that was really encouraging about the season too is if you look at how he did three-point shooting-wise in college – he wasn't good, and he shot 35% from three in the NBA in his first season. Um, career-wise in college, I think he was a, a little bit below 30%. So it seems like for whatever reason, maybe he's put in a lot of work and continued to get better, but he did have a encouraging first uh, year from the perimeter shooting-wise, although I, I think everyone admits, including him, that that's something that he needs to improve upon, and that was something that um, Stan Van Gundy, I think, talked about at the end of the season, as far as just his main thing that he's going to have to focus on. And we'll just talked about that as well, but yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to him continuing to get better. And I think he's already done some good stuff in that area.
1: All right. So before I let you two go, you sharpshooters, sharp shooters. Um, I guess we talked a little bit about what the next step for Naji Is there anything we missed as far as, you know, what he's going to be working on in the gym, whether it's shooting or maybe on the defensive side, we talked about his hustle but maybe uh, what's something that maybe next year you want to see him on the defensive side develop as part of his game? Will, I'll go with you and then I'll wrap up with Jim.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing is just develop, uh, defending those bigger guys. I think that's a conversation we've had with the Pelicans for years is how do you defend, you know, the Michael Porter Juniors of the world, the LeBron James, the Kawhi Leonards, These guys you're going to have to go through if you're going to make these deep runs in the West. you got to have options for those guys. And I think what we've learned over the years is not just one guy uh, on your team is going to defend those. you got to have multiple players you can throw at those guys. And I think Najee, you know, he has to continue to work on that, getting stronger in his base. you know, defending guys down in the post, uh, getting more rebounds. I I think that's going to be a big part of his growth defensively. And like I mentioned before, he loves to get to the rim. I just would like to see him finish more of those shots. And and I think it's something you see with most young guys when you come to the league. uh, He talked about it where uh, you get to the rim and it's like, wow, these guys are really big. They're really athletic. They're really fast. And I think it's a big difference when you go from college to the NBA and finishing at the rim. And I think that's something he got more comfortable with as his playing time went up, but I would like to see him to continue and improve upon that. And like I said before, just being more comfortable defending uh, multiple positions, bigger guys. I think those, those are the two things for him.
0: Yeah. I think we'll pretty much covered as far as just the areas that he can get better. in. the one thing I will add is that defensively, it's nice to see the Pelicans have a guy kind of on the wing with the, with the size that he has. seems like over the years, and I'm not talking about this season, last season, I'm talking, you know, 10, years plus it seems like that hasn't been an area that the Pelicans have had had guys that can really contribute in that area. I mean, we had a guy like James Ennis who was here for eight or 10 games um, that kind of a mold of player of it, like a long wing that can um, hold his own athletically and physically. So um, that's, that, that's definitely a niche that I, I'd love to see him be able to fill. Cause as we know, they need help in a lot of different areas defensively. So for him to turn into you know, a really good defensive player, above average defensive player, I think will, will help the defense a ton. All right. Good stuff there on Najee Marshall
1: from both of you. That's Will Gillery, who covers the NBA and the Pelicans for the athletic you can follow him on Twitter at Will Gillery hashtag some dude as he is some dude from the athletic, but he's our dude. And he's been on for three straight weeks with us covering uh, our player recaps. Will, I appreciate the time. Hopefully the next time that we're on, I'll have a Ronald Acuna junior Jersey for you. <laughs> um, that'll help you, and so we can get you out of this Philly's funk that you're in. Uh, but until then, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the off season, and we'll talk to you down the line.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys, man. And I'm leaving here, and I'm going to get some jump shots up because I, I hear I guess I'm here, and I got some competition over there on Airline Drive. So I got to get myself back right before the media game next year.
1: Man, for bringing back the media game, then I'm definitely going to have to get some shots up. It's been, it's certainly been a while, and so we don't want to
2: we don't want to see what's going
1: on right now if, if we're on the court. But uh, nonetheless. <laughs> Will, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys.
1: All right, one more podcast to wrap things up. That'll be tomorrow as Jim and I will conclude with James Johnson, and then we'll take a little bit of a break, and we'll tell you about more tomorrow afternoon. All right, until tomorrow, for Jim and Will, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.